0: Comfortable.
1: Get comfortable, my hair in. okay.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, hey everyone, how you doing? This is Nate and I have Ellie Marshall hey. sitting on the couch with me right now. Well, mm-hmm. we're in our own separate couch. Yeah. But what the
1: heck.
0: <laughs> we are actually in Denver, Colorado. We're on a mobile trip and we had an mm-hmm. awesome night last night doing like mobilizing. We were speaking at a church group, an adults group called The Collective and just super cool fired up group of people and Ellie led worship and shared a testimony last night and so yeah we're here uh wanting to put out another video another podcast for Mm -hmm. you guys I'm so glad you guys clicked on that link whatever brought you here whether you're watching it or listening to it while you're driving or doing the dishes we're glad you're here and so I have an awesome opportunity to be able to talk with Ellie today and Ellie is like one of the best leaders that we've worked (laughs) with in for a long <laughs> yeah. time like i'm not even embellishing <laughs> that like it's so true her and her co-leader hannah um, they're amazing but hannah's back in california mm-hmm. ellie's in colorado and so today we get ellie and then next time we'll get hannah on yeah. here too because she has awesome stories and testimony as well and so but yeah ellie like just you know maybe tell us a little bit about you like mm-hmm. what is this whole Ellie and YWAM story (laughs) about, like, how did that happen? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can tell you. Well, yeah, my name's Ellie. As you know by now, I'm 21 years old, and I've been working full-time with YWAM for the past three years. I did my DTS in Australia in 2018. um, And I actually joined YMAM just nine months after I gave my life to the Lord. So, four years ago, uh, my life was radically transformed by Jesus. I had been on a spiritual journey for like five years where I I looked into Hinduism, I studied into Buddhism, and um, I was passionate about New Age spirituality, which is. A mix of many of many beliefs and um, in that search I was hungry for God and I wanted to know the truth and so it was the first week of 2018 when I had an encounter with Jesus where Mm. he transformed my life I gave my life to him you know completely and then he told me to go into the rest of the world and to tell people about Mm. what I'd found and what I would found was Jesus what I'd found was that Jesus is the one who came and he lived a perfect sinless Mm. life he died on the cross and he rose again and he took the punishment for our sins so that we could have forgiveness. You know, when we yeah. give our life, then we can have forgiveness and we can have relationship with the Father again. So this is what changed my life. And I joined YWAM because I wanted to learn how, you know, how how many people still need to hear and how can I tell them? You know, how can I communicate effectively in a world that needs Jesus? Right. Yeah, so I've been working three years. So I wonder like
0: you you took like the spiritual journey, you said, Mm -hmm. like you were on a spiritual journey. Like, can you explain that a little bit more to me? Like, what did that look like for you? You know, like Mm -hmm. in more detail.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so in more detail, well, I grew up in the church. So I grew up in a Christian family. Mm -hmm. And growing up, I enjoyed going to church and I always knew that Jesus was... Loving, mm. but I didn't have a, personally didn't have a strong foundation of a relationship with Jesus, and so when I was about 13 years old, I kind of looked around me and I was in a lot of pain in my life at mm. the time, and so I looked around at um, at the world around me and I said like, well, if the world is chaos like this, then. God must be like that, like, you know, and I don't know how I could trust a God who's chaotic. And so what I saw is I saw the mistakes of humans. I saw the sin of humans, and I attributed that to God because I didn't know, you know, I didn't know if God was truly good. So I walked away from the church. I walked away from Christianity, but I was fascinated with this, this idea of spirituality, like fascinated with this idea of inner peace and like holistic, well-being and i really wanted that because i had severe anxiety i had Mm. severe depression i had a panic disorder at the time and so i wanted to find something that was real like i remember thinking there has to be something that i can get rooted in there has to be something that i can connect to that will give me a peace that will stay Mm. because it's like i would find peace you know i'd like go meditate or i'd play music and i'd find peace and feel it for Mm. like However long I was doing that activity, but when I left, the panic came back and the anxiety came back. And so, um and so I enjoyed a lot of the temporary peace I found, but the thing was it was always temporary. And so it was this back and forth um, mm-hmm. constantly. So I was like, there has to be something, whether it's God, I was like, I think it's God, but I I don't know like I need to know the truth because I was like, if it's God, like, you know, I need to I need to be connected to that because that's where I'm going to have a peace that doesn't leave, you know. And that's where I'm going to know who I am. And so uh, um, everything that I I personally found um, in the spirituality that I looked into was like I would feel this peace like a a very feeling type of level but not at like a soul level mm. if that makes sense. Sure. So it was when I met Jesus when it was when I went to church with a friend and she was always inviting me for like five years <laughs> of course, and I was, was <laughs> yeah and I was always saying no um, and then after five years I it was like the first week of 2018 it was the first Sunday so it was January 7th and and I felt this pull in my spirit. I was familiar with the spiritual mm-hmm. to an sure. extent and so So I could tell, I was like, I feel like something's drawing me to go. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna check this church out because I was like, I honestly don't know what Christians believe. Like I say, I love people equally, but I'm judging Christians all the time. (laughs) And so I was like, I should at least go check out like what they believe And I felt like I was supposed to go. So it was when I was walking into the church, I actually had like all of my panic, like was coming back and like my anxiety and my depression (laughs) and my insecurity. I wasn't there yet, but I was like, I was walking to the church, and I was starting to feel mm. like I was going crazy in so much fear. And I had all these voices in my head that I was familiar with, who were saying like, "No, don't go, don't go, don't go. They're gonna hate you. God is gonna hate you. He's not real. Mm. But if he was real, he would hate you." And all these lies that it was the devil talking yeah. to me, saying like these lies of like everything you are is everything they're gonna hate. And um, but I had this one unfamiliar voice. It was more unfamiliar, and it just said one word, and that voice said, go, and it was Weird because that voice right. was stronger than all the other voices. Drowned and so, everything else out. Yeah, That's so awesome. I noticed it. Yeah. So I noticed it and so it was because I so I felt all this anxiety but I was like, there's something telling me I need to go and it's overpowering these other voices that I've always wow. known. And so I was walking in and freaking out and like debating like, oh my gosh, do I turn around? Do I go, do I turn around, do I go? And then if this was the line from like outside and then like inside the church, I was freaking out and as soon as I stepped over the line, all the voices stopped. Whoa. And I felt like this complete peace That's for the first time the in All the voices my life. stopped. They stopped, <laughs> they were gone. Yeah, which was crazy because yeah. I never had the ability to do that. Like I would try, mm. I'd be like, no, I'm loved. I know who I am, you know, but right. I, I didn't, you know, yeah. really. And But they stopped for the first time ever. Wow.
0: Was that like a defining moment for you? Yes. Like, yeah. so you're like coming into this whole, this church thing, like you know, kind of coming back to church, but outside of being, you're not a kid anymore. It's not yeah. like your your family's religion. It's like you're kind of doing it on your own, yeah. I guess, free will, right? You're not being yeah, dragged free there. Will. You're going there, you know, because your friend invited you. But you've been steeped in all this spirituality, that, uh-huh. you know, you know, whatever the Buddhism, yeah. Hinduism, yeah. the New Age, and you know all that kind of stuff. And then you step in there. So what was like? What would you say is like the defining moment where you realized that that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life? And, and all those other things were just were basically noise. Yeah. yeah. Tell me about that.
1: I will. So, <laughs> um, I, so I stepped into this church and I had this like very tangible experience of where, you know, the voices were gone and I felt this peace and I knew it was God. Okay. Like I knew it was God, but I... I didn't exactly know who that, you know, who God was, you know, because um, I had, you know, in the past believed like, oh, like maybe we're all gods, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe very good people Mm. like Buddha or um, Bob Marley, you know, like maybe they (laughs) were kind of like gods or, you know, so I felt this God and I knew it was God, but I needed to. I didn't know exactly yet, like, right. okay, what does this entail? So in this um, in this church service that I went to, they were worshiping. It was a worship night where you could mm. go talk with people, pray with people. You could just sit. You could worship. It was very free-flowing. And I just sat on the ground. And for like two hours, I just sat on the ground. And I just asked him. I was like, God, who are you? Mm. And he said, Jesus. And, and I knew it was him. And so... Um, so that's when I realized that it was Jesus. I asked him who he was. Wow. And he told me Jesus.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. So, so you have this, this radical experience with Jesus. Yeah. It's like it drown. He drowns out every other little God uh-huh. that you'd, you'd set up. And then, then you became a missionary. Like what was, <laughs> like what, what the heck happened there? Like, it yeah. seems like pretty like drastic, <laughs> you know? So yeah. like, how did you, how did you beca- get into missions? Like from yeah. there to like, you know, crossing that line, all those voices silence and it's like, bam, now now you're a missionary. Uh, What did that look like? Yeah,
1: so that's a great question. So before I met Jesus, before I fully gave my life to him that night, um, I had always had this desire to like be, I was like, I wanna go help the world. So Mm. I wanna go like, save the sea turtles in Costa Rica. Okay. I wanna go help the refugees. I right. wanna go take care of endangered elephants elephants in Thailand. Um, so I had this desire to go help. Mm. And I actually had a brother who did YWAM okay. when I was 16. So two years before I became a Christian, he had already been doing YWAM and he loved it. And he was leading teams trekking into the Pacific Islands, bringing the gospel mm. to people who had never heard like intense stuff. And I remember always thinking, I was like, oh, I was like, that's so cool that you're traveling, but like, why are you doing it for God? You know, cause I didn't know God. Yeah. I didn't know how good he is. And I didn't know that like life with God is like the most like crazy adventurous, right. fulfilling life you can have. It's you know? insane. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And so then after I met Jesus, I had this desire to go help. And, um, but suddenly I was like, Jesus, like, I don't just want to go help you know, people anymore for like to live like just this life. Like I want them to know eternal life too now. And so I started looking into why I am because my brother was having so much fun and I prayed and I was like, God, what am I supposed to do? And I actually felt strongly that I was supposed yeah. to go to YWAM to get discipled, which is like to get mentored to learn how to live for yeah. Jesus. And so I prayed about where to go, and I ended up going to a YWAM base in Australia, YWAM mm-hmm. Townsville.
0: That's where you did your DTS.
1: That's where I did yeah. my DTS. So the
0: DTS is we love acronyms in YWAM. We, we love we, them. We literally make an acronym out of anything we can. YWAM's and so, an acronym. Yeah, YWAM's <laughs> an acronym for Youth With A Mission. And in Youth With A Mission, we have an introductory discipleship program called the DTS, which is Discipleship Training School. And it's about a six-month long program. It's super intensive. And the first three months, and this is gonna be the case anywhere in the world you go to do your DTS. The first three months, you are gonna be in a, like a lecture phase, classroom setting, uh, but you're going to have small groups and one-on-ones. You're going to be hearing lectures, and and you're really going to get to know God on level that um, very likely you've not been able to get to know Him before. Because how often do you take six months of your entire life to just fully yeah. devote to Him, right? So yeah. it's not because maybe you haven't been like learning good stuff. It's just that the 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 amount uh, it's like drinking out of a fire hose, I guess, for mm-hmm. six months. And so for three months, you're in these lectures and you know different classes and. You're you're in community living, and at Wyoming Yosemite, we have a whole outdoor culture and outdoor experience as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of camping and swimming, and depending on what you know, you're you're with us, and and from that point, after those three months are done, then you get sent to one of our international outreach locations for three months, and mm-hmm. and so at Wyoming Yosemite, we target areas like Japan, the Middle East, Nepal, Thailand, and now Armenia, and so. Uh, we, we go into all these different areas uh, to bring short-term teams for three months and to work with our contacts and to do this sort of thing. But then we also want to see people go back and go long-term.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, COVID made things really interesting um, for us. Yeah, and so did. we've had to go to <laughs> a lot of nations that we normally don't go to. And one of those nations is mm-hmm. the nation of Brazil. Mm-hmm. And so you um, You've done your DTS, You then you took a school, a secondary school, mm-hmm. so I guess maybe we're backing up a little bit, but mm-hmm. you, you were a student in the School of Missions and Evangelism, mm-hmm. and where did you do that?
1: I did my School of Missions and Evangelism in Byron Bay, okay. Australia.
0: So after her DTS, you, you're you able to then do any of our second-level schools anywhere in the world in YWAM, so DTS is the only prerequisite to mm-hmm. do that, and so she did an SOME, and then I was in Byron Bay, and you met our good friend, Billy there.
1: Yes! I did. I so, met Billy Killen in there at yeah. Byron Bay. <laughs> yeah, he
0: was your school leader. So. Yeah. And uh, so Billy has been uh, planting and pioneering the School of Missions and Evangelism all the way at Wyoming Yosemite. So that's kind of his role. And hi, Billy, if you're watching this, we love you, bro. Um, <laughs> you're awesome. But uh, yeah, he's going around the world and, and planting these School of Missions and Evangelism in the in the mission right now. And so it's really cool opportunity. And something that um, we're just really stoked that Billy's taken his time and his family to come and do and be a part of. And so Ellie, you were a part of that school, you were part of it with your co-leader Hannah, you were students. Mm-hmm. And basically, as Wyoming Assembly, we got put in a bind where we needed staff and leaders for the SOME. And so Billy called you guys up. Yeah. And I don't know, tell us a little bit about that. Like yeah. getting that phone call, you're just students <laughs> and now all of a sudden you're being asked to to lead something.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was when we were in our lecture phase, so the first three months of our School of Missions and Evangelism, that my co-leader Hannah and I were asked by Billy if we wanted Mm. to work with him um, as he was planning on coming to Yosemite. And so I, yeah, I remember when he asked, I was still navigating, like, oh, like, how do you evangelize? You know, I still had so many questions. But he asked us, um, he asked us if we'd want to come to Yosemite. And help you know help train people in evangelism, help train them in leadership, help train mm. them in missions, and help raise up more leaders like within YWAM. And so I remember when he asked me, and I was freaking out because I was <laughs> yeah. like, "Why on earth would you ask me?" But I prayed about it and I had a very strong peace from the Lord about coming and doing Mm -hmm. it. And so, um, yeah, so when I decided to come, I was like, God, you know your plans for me. And so I had all my plans set up. But when God told me to come to Yosemite, I gave those plans to the Lord and I followed it. And it's been, yeah, (laughs) and it's been so incredible. It's been such a gift being able to work at Wyoming Yosemite with you guys.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and likewise, we we were at the receiving end of being blessed by you and Hannah.
1: Thanks. Um, so you guys
0: st- staffed it with Billy. Yeah. Last year, and then this year, you took it on, and you guys actually led the school by yourselves. Uh-huh. And so, that's that is where you know I saw I got to see you guys really shine, mm-hmm. being new leaders, uh, never leading a school before, and really taking this in the midst of COVID, in the midst of the world being shut down, and. Every day, it seems like plans were having to change and mm-hmm. you know, people, yeah. people getting COVID yeah. and like, you know, it's like, how do you, okay, students getting COVID, but now we're trying to go overseas and all, all mm. those things. But yeah. you guys got a crazy like, word about the outreach location, which, which was Brazil. Yeah. And I, I wanna get into that because that's so, I don't know, that story is so exciting to me. There's obviously a lot to it, but w- why Brazil? Like what, what got you guys to Brazil? Hmm. In the midst of like coronavirus and the world shutting down, you guys end up in Brazil. Yeah. Like, So what happened there?
1: Yeah. So as we were praying about outreach locations, the first thing we, were, we always consider is what are the focus nations of mm. our base? So right now our focus nations are Thailand, the Middle East, Nepal, and Japan. And right. Armenia. And Armenia now. Armenia is our new focus nation. And so those are always what we consider first. But something interesting happened while we were praying, when we were praying about where to specifically take our school of missions and evangelism for this year. God started giving people um, words and impressions mm-hmm. about Brazil. Mm-hmm. People, multiple people who it's, we weren't talking about it, but God started saying, Brazil, 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 you know, kind of just like people coming up just like, hey, I feel like we're supposed to go to Brazil. And so as I was praying before we left, and we were planning, you know, uh, if we go to Brazil, where can we go? Mm-hmm. There's there's communities and tribes up north in Brazil that we could work with, or there is uh, street ministries in the south that we could work with. And so I was praying, and um, and as as we prayed, we felt that we were supposed to go minister to the native people mm-hmm. of Brazil, as well as the people that you would find in the cities, in the mm-hmm. urban areas, um, specifically with a lot of ministry, like for evangelism. So. As I was praying, I was like, okay, God, if we go to the Amazon, um, there's over 100 people groups who they still, they don't know the gospel. They've never been Mm. reached with the gospel. And so I was praying. I was like, God, what are we supposed to do? Because these aren't people that we can get to as as missionaries coming from, like where we're Mm. coming from. And so I was like, Jesus, if there are still over 100 people groups who still need to hear the gospel but we can't get to everyone on our own what are we supposed to do because uh, he had given me the verse mark 16 15 and it said go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation How are we supposed to do that if there's still so many people who need to hear? So I asked the Lord and he told me, it was very simple. He just said, he's like, it's to equip and empower the indigenous church of Brazil. The
0: indigenous church of Mm -hmm. Brazil. How is that different from the non-indigenous church? Like, what does that Mm. look like?
1: Yeah, so... What that looks like is in this area of the Northern Amazon, it's the native church, the indigenous church, who they're the ones who they know their people, they know their culture, they know the language, Mm. and they have access to go to these tribes who have never heard. And so there are tribes that we can get to and that missionaries are working in and there are tribes that we can't get to. And so it's gonna be the indigenous church you know, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who have given their lives to Jesus, who they're going to be able to go and preach the gospel to yeah. the people who have never heard. And
0: I think that, I don't know, that's so epic because I think sometimes we we get into these situations where it's like, oh, well, you can't go to that people group. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't work with that indigenous group. It's against the law and it's illegal. and And then we just sort of give up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, I guess we can't go there. But it's like, but then you look at what did Jesus say, you know, in the Great Commission was to go into all nations, all all that's mm-hmm. all people groups. That doesn't yeah. talk about geographical nations where it's just the country, it means the people within yeah. that. Every little sublinguistic people group as well. And so you guys like have this strategy of like, well, we can't get into that people mm-hmm. group by law. We can't mm-hmm. go into these indigenous groups, and then you're like, but what we can do is empower mm-hmm. the indigenous groups that we can get to. Mm-hmm. And so you guys were able to then host and work with a conference in one of these indigenous areas that were open for you guys to Mm -hmm. go into. But this is is mind blowing to me, what happened here. Like, okay, first of all, like, how did you get there?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> how did you so, get to this village? Like, yeah. and, you know, it's, that's crazy to me. Yeah. Right
1: there. So, we worked with local missionaries um, in a village. And how we got there is it was a five hour boat ride in these tiny little metal boats in the sun and we were going and like we saw crocodiles like with yeah. their eyes above the water, they'd like go <laughs> under as we like drove me. by. Yeah. And um, so a five hour boat ride and we had to trek at least an hour into the village yeah. and set up our hammocks and we were welcomed by the tribe. They were familiar with missionaries, they were familiar with um, lots of trade and so they were very welcoming yeah. to us and, but it was and a, this is it like was a jungle. trip.
0: This is like jungle, right? So yeah. you are like, and then I, I think you were telling me at one point when you were on that, was it on that boat ride? There's like lightning striking.
1: Oh, that was on our way home. That was on the way home. Oh my gosh. On our five hour boat ride on the way home, we were in this metal boat in the middle of a river and it starts (laughs) to get cloudy and it starts to rain. And I remember thinking, oh, praise God. Like I've been praying for rain for two weeks because it was so hot. So hot. So hot. hot. The hottest place I've ever been. Yeah. So I was like, I'd been praying for rain for two weeks and it started to rain while we're in this boat. And I'm like, thank you, God. Like such a treat. Like while we're still in the Amazon. I'm, right. like getting rain and then we start to see like in the distance like the clouds are getting really dark and <laughs> lightning starts to strike and we're in the middle of water and in right. a metal boat in a boat in yeah and so uh, <laughs> the lightning starts to strike and we're still going and then suddenly my our missionary contact who we worked with he starts like like it was okay. Well, the rain starts pouring, actually. The rain starts pouring like a rainstorm. And he like veers out to the side. Like, thankfully, we were by the beach. And he's like, everybody, get out of the boat, get out, get out. Because there's lightning coming closer and closer. And so there was this like broken up, like beached fishing boat that was wooden that had a metal roof and we needed shelter right. and so we like ran and we were in this little boat like hiding like from the rain like and broken
0: down boat on the broken beach.
1: down boat on the beach <laughs> we're soaking wet rains getting How many in people the boat were in that boat i think eight <laughs> yeah there's like eight people in this tiny little thing it's like soaking and and then because there was so thankfully wood like yeah. doesn't conduct you right. know like lightning. But metal does, and so when we were sitting in the boat, lightning actually hit the metal roof of the boat oh that we were sitting gosh. in, and we were all like, "I did not did know that." that part? just yes, hit? <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, so we were in this boat. We we ended up being you know, totally fine, but we were in there for like half hour, just wow. not able to leave. By the time we went back to our boat that we had tied up in the river, it's like this this much water river, in it. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that was an adventure coming back on the That's Amazon crazy. in a lightning storm. Well,
0: I'm, I'm glad you guys survived. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so, living so but the now, I guess, so you guys, you're getting there now, though. Going back to getting there, yeah. You take the same boat ride, but going up the river. You trek through the jungle, uh-huh. set up your hammocks, and you guys are working in this. Uh, basically, this indigenous conference thing, and you, but you guys kind of didn't know about that. So yeah, yeah. What was like? What was that all about? Like, why? Yeah. Why were you even there?
1: The indigenous conference that we helped with in this tribe was a conference that happens regularly. And what it was is, it was actually a call from the native church leaders to the surrounding mm. churches and the surrounding tribes, saying there are still people in the Amazon in this jungle who need to hear and we need to be the ones to go. So it was actually a call to the church saying, guys, we need to go. We need to be telling them about Jesus.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome. So it kind of like really dovetailed nicely into the, you know, the call and the prayers that we felt that we had to be strategic. We wanted to reach these indigenous people. But now this conference that you guys get to work with is actually about what you were praying about. It was actually about
1: equipping
0: the other indigenous churches to actually go out and do that. So it's kind of a cool concept. Like when you think about where, you know, missions used to be viewed as, you know, let's just put it bluntly, but you know, the white people coming in, doing their thing and and sort of leaving. But this is a a complete reversal where it's we're actually aiding and we're we're, you know kind of lifting up the indigenous Mm -hmm. and the the local leaders for them to go out and to be the missionaries because the missionary call isn't just for one ethnic people group it's not just meant for north americans or europeans Mm -hmm. that the missionary call for all believers is for all believers amen yes yeah amen (laughs) yeah (laughs) so so yeah so you guys are working in this conference and one of the things that i thought was it, it's actually quite ironic, but obviously, I like, think God set up was that you were you were telling us about how the village that you guys were having this conference in mm-hmm. actually had no known believers at that mm-hmm. time. So, so anyway, so you're there, you're in this village with no known <laughs> believers, but you're hosting this conference yeah. where all these other villagers are coming in who are believers to host a conference on mobilizing indigenous yeah. believers <laughs> into villages that don't yeah. have believers. So, I mean, it was it was kind of like a perfect setup by mm-hmm. God. So I don't know if you i like, um, just tell us about that. Like mm-hmm. what, what happened,
1: you know, yeah. so. Yeah, so what happened was in this tribe, there were no known believers and there was a missionary family working for many years in this community. But none of them had given their lives to Jesus. And so after this conference, it was three days of, um, you know, it was three days of prayer, it was three days of talking about the gospel, it was three mm-hmm. days of worshiping the Lord. And so many people in the community, they attended the conference because it was a big, exciting event. And it was sure. it's always really cool, you know, when a lot of people come together. So they came to celebrate with us. And in the... In the process of this conference, many people were encountering the Lord. And so on day three of this three-day conference, one of the pastors got up and he gave an altar call, which was inviting people to give their lives, to make a public like stand to say like, I'm giving my life Mm -hmm. to Jesus. And when he made that call, he said, if there's anybody here who wants to give their life to Jesus for the first time or come back to Jesus, come up right now and over 20 people went up to receive Christ. That's insane. Yeah, over so 20 people. So this village that has
0: not had any known believers within mm-hmm. just one one day, well, uh, three days but in one moment, yeah, you have 20 something. Yeah. People give their lives to Jesus right there. What happened after that?
1: After that, our team had the honor of being able to help baptize many of them as they they just wanted to tell the world and say, like, I'm, you know, dying to my old life and I'm you know living a new life in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we helped baptize them and we were there for the week after the conference. And so we got to see the aftermath of something incredible like this happening, something like an incredible moment like this. And what happened was the next morning, like we already had people coming up to where we were staying, mm. asking, like, you know, like, what do what do I do now? Um, and we there were people who they wanted to know how to live for Jesus. They didn't want just that moment of accepting Jesus. They wanted to accept Him and live for Him and mm. choose Him daily. And so over the course of the next week, we got the opportunity to disciple, and we got the opportunity to. Um, to learn the word with people, mm. to teach the word, and, um, and to talk about how to continue this life for Jesus.
0: So like, what's the long-term plan, I guess, for something like that, where you guys are only there for a couple of weeks, right? Mm-hmm. But then what's the follow-up, you know, because the Great Commission talks about, you know, going to all the world, and, you know, baptizing, preaching mm-hmm. the gospel, but there's that discipleship yeah, aspect. Absolutely. It's like, how do you, you can't disciple from a distance, really, mm-hmm. so what, what did that look like? Like, what, what yeah. happened after you guys left?
1: Definitely. There are actually local believers from the surrounding tribes that said that they're going to go, they're going to be going back to this tribe to work with discipleship, to work with families, Mm. to some to run services, and so like church services. And so there are actually local believers who saw the need Mm. that there is. And there are local missionaries around the area who have promised to go back.
0: Wow. Yeah. So you got people going back now and I just... What I think is super rad about that is it's that that symbiotic relationship, if you will, is a big word, mm-hmm. but of short-term missions and long-term missions, mm-hmm. you know, and and where we actually get to come together and, and work with each other, and we're bringing you know support to, to yeah. the people that are already there, and and in the process seeing you know twenty people get saved, yeah. and baptizing people, and essentially you're, you're seeing a church get planted, yeah, and then we leave, but then they're still able to get discipled by the other, you know, church leaders and indigenous leaders around the area that are gonna come back um, and continue that discipleship. So I think that is like super awesome and such a cool story. Super powerful. Yeah, I I guess one of the things that I would love to know is, like you had this crazy journey, this Mm -hmm. crazy life, you know, where you were starting off, you know, in this, mystic Mm -hmm. new age you know buddhist Mm -hmm. hindu sort of vibe Mm -hmm. and and jesus encounters you and you end up Mm -hmm. on the mission field and 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 here you are you're you're missionary and you lead schools and you lead evangelism Mm -hmm. schools and uh and take teams out now and all these sort of things Mm -hmm. and and if there were you know anything that you could say to someone who's maybe sitting on the fence yeah you know they're they're not sure if this is the life that they want And, and honestly it doesn't have to be like a 50-year commitment, right? It can just be come and experience this and get trained and get discipled and and travel the world and go see, you know, people's lives impacted with the gospel. But if Mm -hmm. there's someone who's like listening right now and they're just like, ah, I wanna do something like Mm -hmm. that, but I don't know. Yeah. Like what is your, what would be the advice that you'd give them right now?
1: Yeah. I think what I would say is if you're on the fence of, oh, do I you know, do I take this step and go out to the mission field or do I not? If you're on the fence, know that taking a step for God is always worth the mm-hmm. risk. And so I would say just take the step. And God is faithful. He's trustworthy to lead you. So I'd say take the step. Take, take, take the, the s- risk.
0: Take the risk. Mm-hmm. Take the risk, yeah. And I think that's one of the huge things in, in our culture— um, as a whole but really you know for the younger you know z generation mm-hmm. younger millennial like we're risk adverse mm-hmm. like we're a risk yeah. adverse culture we're a risk adverse um, generation and and the only way that we can crush that is to take steps that require risk it's true and to not and i mean that's that's with anything that's not with just you know joining youth with a mission and mm-hmm. you know going on an outreach no, yeah. and you know, that's really a life lesson to be learned in, in any area, like if there's something that you know God's calling you to, yeah. and you're not stepping into it, like you you have to take that risk. You have to yeah. trust him with that, because by not doing that, you're actually saying, like God, you're not trustworthy, mm. right? Like God, mm-hmm. like I know this is what you're asked of me, or, or this is something that you've put in my life, mm-hmm. or a gift that you've given me, but I'm afraid mm-hmm. to use it, or whatever it is. Yeah. You have a myriad of reasons why we don't take risk. Um, but mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, it says actually more about what we believe about God yeah, um, true. Than, than anything else. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we we invite you guys to take that risk. And, you know, in the mm-hmm. context of what we're talking about, we're talking about Youth for the Mission. We're talking about mm-hmm. YLAM. And and we want you guys to, to come and, and take that first step and come live in our community and, and mm-hmm. be about... Um, revival and see, you know, how Mm -hmm. God's moving, you know, not just in the United States, but how he's moving in the nations. Like Brazil, you know, I think that's so, so incredibly awesome. And I would just love for you guys to take that step um, and and come to a discipleship training school with that, you know, with us. If you're on the fence, you're like, I I don't Mm -hmm. know, like, you know, it's just like dude, it's so easy. Mm-hmm. It's so easy. Yeah. Literally, we've made it so easy to come <laughs> and get involved. And, and next thing you know, you might be listening to a podcast and then you're gonna be like going down your boat down the Amazon <laughs> River, you know, trekking through the Himalayas or yeah. you know, riding an elephant through Thailand, like whatever it might be yeah. to get the gospel out there and also have fun at the same time. But literally just go to our website, www.ywamyosemite.org and check out the Discipleship Training School page. And then from that point, when you do the DTS, You can do any of our other secondary schools. We have an SOME that you and Mm -hmm. Hannah lead. And so, of course, we're going to pitch that first. We have our School (laughs) of Intercessory Prayer. We have a school that's based around the outdoors called the SOAR School, which is School of Outdoor Recreation. Mm -hmm. And we have our School of Biblical Studies, which is a nine-month-long Bible school. And so after your DTS, you can get... Equipped even in further, deeper areas like leadership, mm-hmm. evangelism, and and you know, sur- not just surviving but thriving in ministry yeah. and in the Bible and and your prayer life and an outdoor culture if that's you know more of your jam too. And so, so many cool opportunities. But it's not about the programs. It's mm-hmm. just about we need co laborers right? Yeah, like it's true. We've traveled all over the world. I you know I've been to over forty countries. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many you've been to. Probably. I think a lot. I've been
1: to seven or eight. Seven
0: or eight. Mm-hmm. You're only twenty-one. Mm-hmm. You know, so so we've been all around the world which has been a beautiful awesome experience but we see the deficiency we see the lack mm-hmm. of workers in the field right now and and before covid hit it was already really bad like yeah. there wasn't a lot of <laughs> a lot of workers in the field and now since covid a lot of those workers have had to leave yeah, it's um true. and so we you guys like this is like come and join us. We need co laborers We mm-hmm. we have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, come it's a lot easier when you have someone on each of your shoulders yeah. like going into the breach together. Um, that might sound a little drastic, but yeah. that's the way I look at it I sometimes, mean, you know? And yeah, so, it's true. You know, or going under an aluminum boat, you know, yeah. hiding <laughs> struck by lightning. Hiding from lightning. You, <laughs> <hiding> from lightning. <laughs> you know, it's a lot better to do that shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, right? So you
1: have got your people. You got your
0: people. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, at the end of the day, like, I don't know, like I think our prayer should not be Like God, what's the next step for my Mm. life? But our prayer should actually be like, God, who do I do that next step with? Mm. Who's the tribe? Like, who's the family? Like, who are who's my people that I'm supposed to do this next thing with? And and you might consider us. You know, we might be that Mm -hmm. that tribe for you. And so, anyways. We're going to wrap it up yeah. and thank you so much, Ellie, for hopping on here and all the way out in Denver, Colorado right now. we are be traveling for the next couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and so we're trying to squeeze these little things in whenever we can. Yeah. But, yeah any parting words before we sign off?
1: Just thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Yeah. And we, yeah, we're super excited to hear from you if you do have any questions about how you can get involved. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'd love to talk with you guys. And yeah, thank you, Nate, for yeah, this conversation. For sure. Always fun. cool reflecting on what God has done.
0: Yeah, yeah. so don't forget to do all the, the fun stuff like like, subscribe, oh, that's right. go to our Facebook, our Instagram, mm-hmm. our TikTok, our YouTube, all those <laughs> yep. places you find us at YM Yosemite and uh you'll be notified whenever we post these things and yeah let us know if you like this stuff drop Mm -hmm. us a comment and start an argument if you want to like (laughs) we we don't care like (laughs) so anyways we love you guys and so we'll see you guys on the next one peace